This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, we're headed back to a familiar destination, but focusing on an attraction that might get overlooked the smallest lighthouse in Oregon found on Savi Island of all places. That's right, Vicky. Those who listened to our recent episode on Savi Island may remember us mentioning this hike, but after returning to the trail recently, I really felt like it was worth diving in a little deeper. It's just something you don't see every day, right? Like an actual lighthouse on the Columbia River at the end of this beautiful hike that's near all of these popular places people go to. Yeah. uh, And Jamie, I literally had no idea that this was the smallest lighthouse in Oregon. That's crazy that it's so close to Portland. Yeah. I mean, of course, of course, Portland has a hike with a tiny, adorable lighthouse on it. Of course it does. (laughs) That should come as no surprise. Uh, But it's one of these things where people go to Savi Island all the time for all kinds of reasons. I feel like I, I so rarely hear one of those reasons being to check out the cool little lighthouse, you know, but it's one of my like go to year round hikes. Uh, If I want something that's like kind of flat, but a little bit of distance and a little bit of payoff, maybe it's a little quieter. This is honestly a great spot for all of those reasons. What's the name of this trail? The lighthouse itself is called the Warrior Rock Lighthouse, and the trail is called the Warrior Point Trail. This is basically on the northern tip of Savi Island. So if you look at a map, you can kind of see Savi Island comes to this like pointy tip on the north side, and that's called Warrior Point. So the Warrior Point Trail leads ostensibly up, not all the way to that tip, but it leads off to a beach that then runs along that tip. And at that point where the trail emerges from the forest onto that beach, you go the other direction, the lighthouse is just right there. So it really makes this really nice endpoint to those who want to hike up to that beach on the north side of the island. Mm, that sounds great. How long is this trail? Okay, so it's about three miles from the trailhead to the lighthouse and probably about another half mile along the beach or so if you want to hike all the way up to Warrior Point. But I will say depending on like the level of the water, the brush that's in the area, it might not be easy or possible to just walk right up to the point. So, and honestly, I, I don't I don't know that it's like that spectacular of an endpoint. I like to hike mm-hmm. just to the lighthouse and back because that makes like such a perfect spot to stop, 
have lunch, take some pictures, do that sort of thing. So all in all, you're looking at about a six mile round trip hike to the lighthouse and back from this trailhead. Got it. Got it. Okay. So also, as we know, if you're familiar with Mills End Park, uh, <laughs> Portland <laughs> Portland loves teeny tiny things, as in like a park that's made for ants. But this lighthouse isn't quite that small. Like this is, <laughs> how big exactly is this lighthouse? We're talking like, you know, 28, 30 feet tall. Okay. It's not like a like a miniature lighthouse in in the way that like it's it can fit in the palm of your hand. Um, it is a real a real live lighthouse, um, but it's not. It's just when you compare it to stuff like you know um, Hasita Head or you know Cape Mears. Um, even Cape Mears is one of the smallest lighthouses on the coast, but even that is larger than this lighthouse on the Columbia River. Um, so, you know, it, it just compared to other regular lighthouses that you're used to seeing, this is a lot smaller. Got it. Got it. What's the history behind this lighthouse? When was it like fully in use? Yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting things about this is it has kind of a, a an interesting little history. Um, you know, it was first built about the end of the 19th century. So around like 1889, I think it was when it was built. And essentially what happened is, you know, Savia Island itself. So back before white settlers came, the island was um, sort of in an area that was home to one of the largest concentrations of Chinookan villages, um, who were the indigenous communities on uh, the lower Columbia River. And so there were, this is a place where there was a lot of food sources, um, a lot of you know, seasonal housing, a lot of families living together. Uh, and this is also the site where when white explorers first entered the Columbia River, they passed right by Savi Island as well. Um, so it had kind of a longer history in this area as well. But once uh, more ships started coming in, when sort of the colonization of this area began, a lot of ships started to wreck on this bedrock reef that extends off the side of the island. And so after these wrecks, the U.S. government's like, you know, hey, we, we got to have a lighthouse here to help warn ships of this. So in 1889, they built this little lighthouse uh, right there, um, right near Warrior Point. And at first it was it, it looks a bit, bit different than it does today. So it was originally sort of this wood frame building on top of a sandstone base and it had like, you know, of course, like this oil lamp light with the lighthouse <laughs> lens and the hand cranked fog bell. Um, the live there like these these lighthouse keeper living quarters nearby that were um, later connected by an aerial tram so that the lighthouse keeper could get to the lighthouse when the island was flooded in the rainy what? season. Yeah. What? Um, and, uh, you know, the fog bell itself had this really cool history. It was, it was first cast in Philadelphia in 1855 and it was originally installed in the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse at the mouth of the Columbia River. Um, mm. but then it made its way here to Savi Island when that lighthouse was built. Um, so, you know, of course, all of this is not what you're going to see when you go to the lighthouse today, <laughs> because like the ship of Theseus, right? The Warrior Rock Lighthouse has been almost completely replaced piece by piece in the last century since it was erected um, and has some interesting uh, stories to tell in that time too. So, you know, in around 1930, that like wooden lighthouse is replaced with a, um, a sort of a, an octagonal concrete tower. And later the oil lamp, of course, was replaced with an electric light. And uh, in 1969, a barge 
came ashore and hit the lighthouse. Oh, my God. It destroyed the foundation and it disabled the light and the fog bell. And as they were re- like removing the fog bell from the lighthouse, they dropped it into the river and it cracked, <laughs> sort of taking the bell out of commission entirely. So, you know, this was like not a huge loss ultimately because not too long after that was when they started sort of modernizing and automating lighthouses across the country. So, the, you know, the Warrior Rock Lighthouse was automated, didn't need a lighthouse keeper anymore. So those residences were raised and it continued existing. It continues to be sort of this beacon for ships coming down the Columbia River, but it's not like anyone's inside of there um, doing anything there. So today when you visit, you can still sort of see the, the you know, the octagonal tower, the concrete base, all of these things that are there. You can't go inside the lighthouse. It's not a thing mm-hmm. you can go in and tour, but yeah. you can walk right up to the base of it. There's usually graffiti on the side of it. Yeah. Um, when I was there last, there was actually some really beautiful graffiti, uh, like sort of a, a, a painting of like a bird on the side of it. Um, oh. So that was nice. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's been there since 1889. And even if it's been sort of replaced and fixed and all this time, it's, I believe it's one of the only, if not the only remaining Columbia River lighthouse in Oregon. So that's sort of, a, you know, a claim to fame in and of itself, in addition to the fact that it is also the smallest lighthouse we have here in the state. I'm just like looking at pictures of it now. I'm like, huh, I would love to like go inside and see how <laughs> big this thing is on the inside. And also like, I would love to see a picture of these like aerial aerial cables uh, <laughs> that they use when there was flooding. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> uh, are there any ghost stories about this lighthouse? <laughs> Not that I've seen. You know, I, I was reading about sort of one of the um, early lighthouse keepers who had to crank that old fog bell by hand for, I imagine, yeah. like hours or something, whenever it got foggy, <laughs> just like cranking this thing. Um, and it sounds like, if you could just imagine like being like in the dark and fog on the Columbia River, hand cranking a fog bell by yourself inside of a lighthouse, that's not a ghost story, but it sounds like it should be one, you know? <laughs> I, know. I think I would lose my mind. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Well, Jamie, is there anything else kind of noti- notable about the history of this place? You know, there there are a lot of sort of different bits and pieces of this history of the lighthouse. Trying to find a definitive history was a little bit difficult. So that's kind of what I've been able to piece together. Um, but I think what what's cool about it is that it's just become like, while it's sort of still a functional beacon, it's become this really cool destination for hiking. Like I said, um, I think if you were to hike the Warrior Point Trail without the lighthouse, it's still a really cool hike. Um, so I think, you know, if you put the lighthouse aside, as you're hiking up this this trail for three miles, it mm-hmm. kind of passes through these really beautiful woods, um, this like this nice forest. I went when the, the fall foliage was in action. So a lot of oh. beautiful yellow leaves and, you know, sort of the, the leaves crunching underneath your feet, um, that sort of thing. The trail does get quite a bit muddy in the rainy season. Um, it wasn't when I went, but once you get some good rains, it's pretty muddy. So that's kind of the only tricky thing. It's otherwise pretty much completely flat. Um, but, you know, if, if you have some issues with mobility, that mud might be difficult for you. Um, and there's a little bit difficulty in trying to sort of navigate. There's a couple of forks that jump off the trail that you need to look for. But, you know, folks, if you're going out there to hike this trail, 
when in doubt, just stay toward the river and that'll take you all the way to the lighthouse. I think that's the easiest way to go about it. Well, this trail sounds really lovely. And like you said, maybe like pack a lunch or something and mm-hmm. eat it um, by l- relaxing near the lighthouse. Is there like some good sitting areas or anything nearby? Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from like the whole beach um, where you'll find like logs on the beach, I think that's a great mm-hmm. way to do it. I love the um, the rocky area that the lighthouse sits on. Um, mm. There's like kind of these rocks above the water and something about the way that maybe, you know, the wake in this area works or something about um, the water in this particular spot. Uh, it's sort of really peaceful and hypnotic. So I love to just sort of sit on the edge of these rocks and just look down at the water as sort of it's doing these wavy undulations. Um, and if you go kind of go in the late afternoon, the, the color there is like these kind of like purple and gold and blue colors that um, are just really spectacular. Wow, that sounds so nice. I feel like if I was sitting there, though, I would totally just imagine in my head like this large barge coming in and <laughs> wrecking a shore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You see you see barges come through. I've seen, you know, some stern wheelers pass through, um, you know, motorboats, of course. Um, it's a great boat watching spot if you're into that sort of thing as well. Oh, that's cool. Um, and you know, it, the Columbia river is a spectacular, spectacular river, obviously. So I think the, uh, the opportunity to get all these river views, uh, mountain views you should also note there's a great, great look at Mount St. Helens. Um, you can mm. see all along the trail whenever you get a little, uh, opportunity to pop out at one of the beaches. Um, it's yeah. a great look at the mountain. Um, so beautiful views, nice, quiet forest, a cool historical uh, lighthouse. Like what What else could you ask for? Yeah, seriously, what is, what's not to love here? And I'm sure, um, you know, one of our past episodes, we've talked about bird watching. I'm sure this makes for great bird watching as well. I bet. And, you know, if there's any kind of wildlife in the river, if you see any sea lions coming up the river or, you know, anything else, that might be a cool spot too. I love it. Uh, I would love to get out there before it gets too, too muddy. Now that we've had kind of a dry spell in, uh, here in Portland, take my dog out there and, uh, just relax and yeah, kind of have that mesmerizing experience sitting by the water. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing folks should know, and this is again, something we mentioned on our last Safi Island episode for a lot of trails there, but this is one of these spots where, um, you are supposed to have a parking permit to park at this trailhead. You can get those online. You can get them at general stores on Savi Island. Um, it's pretty cheap. I think it's five bucks. Um, so that's something to know before you go out. And this trailhead itself, it's an, it's an interesting location. So a lot of people kind of go no reader road. It's sort of one of the main roads in Savi Island. It takes you past, you know, reader beach, which is one of the big main beaches and takes you past Collins beach, which is the nude beach. And if you just keep driving on this road all the way past all those beaches, you know, if you go on the weekend, you're going to pass a million cars lining up to go to the beaches. <laughs> um, and you get all the way to the very end. It dead ends at this little sort of parking lot uh, where the trailhead is located. Um, so you basically just have to go all the way down. Um, but, you know, I say this for folks who might want to go on a busier time. There's a lot of traffic on that road when people are out at the beaches. So just know that you might be in for a really big traffic jam if you try to go on, you know, a busy, beautiful spring or summer weekend, for example. But this time of year, especially, you know, on a weekday, especially if it's kind of chilly or if it's rainy, you're not going to see as many people out there at all. Yeah. How many people did you see when you were out there most recently? There were probably 
six other cars in the parking lot. Um, I saw, I want to say maybe 10 folks total. It was mostly people doing hunting. So another thing to note is that there's oh. some hunting in this area. So I saw people sort of, you know, carrying the rifles and stuff like that. So, um, the, the woods there are, um, also known for, for hunters. Um, so something to note there, if you're not into that, or if that's something that, freaks you out if you don't like seeing people you know walk by with guns which some people don't for good reason um maybe go after hunting season's over um might be smart um (laughs) but uh, i did see some some other hikers i saw a you know a person who was walking like 10 dogs um (laughs) 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 um, just folks of all kinds out there ah That sounds so lovely, man. I still have not done a ton of hiking in that area. I've gone biking on Savi Island, but I have not done many hikes. So I look forward to getting out there. Vicky, you got to tell me how you liked it once you go out. I definitely will. And I'm sure it will have Stella's approval. (laughs) Well, until we hear about that, we are going to wrap things up for today. So folks, until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel, as well as HereIsOregon.com. Please leave us a rating and review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Also, if you're a fan of the show and you're interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at oregonian.com. This episode of the show was produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.